Well then, all right, everybody, welcome to the 306th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man, Sage, here, uh, really unemployed right now, so I'm really hoping somebody in Portland has a job for a project manager, hint, hint to everybody listening, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some Blazers, and we have a very special guest here uh, chilling to the left of me on my Zoom screen. Our guest is none other than Tara Biggs of the Blazers What Podcast. Uh, Tara is a friend of the show. We are a friend of the What Podcast. Uh, Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to see you guys. It's been uh, a couple months since like we've chatted and uh, I don't know about you, but I am super ready for um, some basketball. And um, I'm hoping my cat, who's going to come in and out of frame a couple of times, doesn't wreck your audio. She's a she's a foster cat. This is my first time I've ever fostered a cat. And uh, she's going to be going to a new forever home soon. Um, but that does not stop her from doing all the things that she's been constantly doing, which is like walking across my keyboard and banging into my... <laughs> I mean, that's just classic cat behavior. Like, yeah. they, they just give... I mean, why no. would you get a cat if you didn't? Yeah, they're just they they do they march to the beat of their own drum, and I I love it. So that that's awesome. What got you into fostering? Uh, well, let's see. My own cat died around Christmas time, and um, I started volunteering at the shelter. And I wasn't quite ready to like get a new cat, but I thought, well, what how could I be helpful? And uh, they had this cranky old lady uh, cat who like um does not like other cats and the shelter happened to have uh, it's called house of dreams and it happened to have a big influx of like younger cats and it, it was just like totally cramping her style and she was just not happy so they were like would you give it a try so i did and she came here and she's super happy loves people just don't get any cats especially young cats around her because she has no time for them i can i can appreciate uh, a spicy a spicy cat that's what a. Uh... The vet described uh, our, our Telly. So Telly's 16 and a half. So that's what our vet described Telly when uh, she was getting her blood drawn. Like she was very uh, timid. She had some, you know, anti-anxiety meds. But she's like, just, you know, just she is a little spicy. And I'm like, that's exactly how I would describe Telly. So I have a great appreciation for, you know, a, a spicy animal. She did watch all the Summer League games with me. So obviously nice. good luck. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> What, so what have you been doing besides fostering, you know, summer league wrapped up Blazers are, were, are, were the, the, the champions of the Las Vegas summer league two times in the past four seasons. Uh, it's been a bit of a quiet off season. I, I would say, how have you been passing the time? Are you just like kind of chomping at the bit for blazer basketball? Have you been following Nurk and Eurobasket? Uh, what, what have you been up to? Um, yes, yes, yes to all of that. Um, I, uh, you know, it was so funny when Summer League started, they lost that first game and I was like, no, whatever. And then they they won the second game. And I was like, I can't remember when last time was that they won a game. I could completely forgotten what that felt like. I was just like, oh my God, it feels so good. So that was, that was really fun. So I, I definitely enjoyed uh, Summer League 
and actually this morning I was, I got up and I mean, I wait, I'm an early bird, so I was up anyway and I watched the whole game and it was super fun to see Nurk playing basketball and I'm really interested to see how he does this year. So, um, in between, uh, for the first time ever, I got a uh, full season tickets. So now I get treated like royalty before I was a half season ticket holder. So it was just like, here's the garbage bag. Can you take it out? But now I am full season. And so I'm super like, oh, there's all these perks. They're always I know. like, you can I've go to been this. There. I was like, oh, where's my season ticket holder gift? Like, no, here's your pre, here's your season ticket access code. It's like fourth on the list go and if you're a season ticket holder yeah they'll definitely roll out the red carpet for you yeah here's a um, hat here's you know uh, this thing here's a poster here's all this fun stuff but i i'm i'm really after last year and last season and you know the previous off season and just like the debacle that th thing was i'm just i'm feeling really positive i'm trying super hard to like still be not critical but like skeptical of things that I hear because I don't want to just like fall straight into like believing everything that I hear. Um, but despite all that, I'm still, they, they got me again. <laughs> they just they keep roping me in and I'm really, really looking forward to the upcoming season. Yeah. I've been getting my, I get my basketball fix in the summer uh, with, with the WNBA. And so obviously with, Sabrina having such a great year with the Liberty. Um, Satu was, was hurt a bit with Dallas. She was an all-star the previous season, but I, I picked the aces. I just, I love their personality, their camaraderie. Uh, they're so funny. I follow all of them on social. Um, and it, it's, it's awesome because my, my favorite player on the aces is Chelsea Gray. She's a point guard, just like Dame. She's clutch. She wears the Dames. And also it was so cool because Dame was sitting courtside for, for game one of that series against the, the storm. So it's been nice to have some basketball like year round. And um, those playoffs are right in the, the semifinals. They're getting ready to go to the WNBA finals. And then before you know it, preseason will start back up. Um, I don't know if you remember, but they used to play preseason games either in Gill Coliseum or they would uh, travel down to uh, MacArthur Court in Eugene. Um, if I was president of the Blazers, I would like make sure that the, the preseason games would be throughout the state. Like give like you, you really want to make it Oregon's team. Like I think that would be so cool. Go down to Southern Oregon, go to Bend, um, you know, just every year, even host a game at the Memorial Coliseum. Just I mean, if the, the, if it, they're going to mark it as a landmark, I, you know, mm -hmm. use it a bit. So um I don't, instead, like my, we get to go to Seattle. I know. I see. I'm kind of bummed about that. I know everyone's ah. like, "No, great." It's like, well, Seattle just got hockey. Like, Seattle has everything. Like, they don't. Part of me is like, I want them to get the Sonics back because of the rivalry. But another part of me is like, no, you guys have enough. Like, you, you don't need it all. Like, so agreement with you there. Oh my god, born and raised here. All I've heard my entire life is all about how like Seattle's better. Seattle's bigger. Portland's cute, but Seattle Seattle's always been like the more successful, richer, prettier, smarter, older sister. And when they lost their basketball team, I'm going to hang on to, to that until the day I die. And I'm sorry. And yes, the rivalry would be fun, but them not having a men's team is also very fun for it my is. petty heart. I, I, first of all, I love the pettiness. Um, <laughs> and I, I love, I really enjoyed GP and Sean Kemp. Um, I loved watching those Sonics teams, but like, 
it maybe if we had an NHL team or we had a WNBA team as well, like it would feel a little more balanced, but it is nice being like, okay, we've got the NBA team. Y- y- y'all can wait, like keep waiting. Um, because, you can hop like, in your Teslas and drive at down here if you want to watch a men's basketball game. You'll be exactly, fine. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned getting season tickets. Uh, you started or you are part of uh, a fan group that kind of came together to purchase tickets all, all as one in the same section, same row. How did that come about? Can you tell us a little bit more about the group um, and just, just anything uh, that you'd like to add? Yeah, sure. So the real instigator for that <laughs> uh, is the is Sheriff of Portland. I, you, I'm sure you know him on Twitter as, as Sheriff of Portland. And um, he just, he is a force of nature. And when he uh, has an idea, it almost always comes to fruition as far as I can tell. But his thought, and one that I agreed along with, was like, you go to these other games and, you know, you see a section of fans like Portland, like there, there's, there's sections, there's definitely sections in, in the Moda that, you know, exist where there's the rowdy fans and we were like, let's start a new one. Um, and so, you know, he just got a bunch of people who were interested um, in wanting to sit together and, you know, go in together. And we've like really become tight. Like while we're waiting for the season to start, we're super excited. You know, we, we, so we get to attend these events together. We went to a Thorns game together, you know, all these perks that you get, like I was talking about, um, you know, go out berry picking. It's all these things like, what does this have to do with the Blazers? I don't care. Um, so yeah, it's just, we're all folks. I think in this group are folks who, one of the main things that we get out of being Blazer fans is the community. And so it's just, it's building on that. And we would, you know, love to see it. This is the first year we're going to try it. We're going to see, is it, does it work? Is it a terrible disaster? Do we never want to speak to each other again at the end of the season? I don't know. We had to give it a try. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying and doing something different. And, um, you know, there's, there's been talk of chance and, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'll get into that. I just want to like watch the game, but um, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing how it works, you know, seeing how the experiment works. Absolutely. When I first moved up to Portland, I, I chose Portland state because I wanted season tickets. It was the year we had drafted Odin and I was like so amped and the Blazers, that was 07, 08. So the Blazers actually had for two years, behind one of the baskets called like the blazer maniac section. And it was, it was awesome. Like, I, I I know what you're talking about when you're saying like you go to other arenas or you see it on TV and you can spot that group and it, it was, they had tryouts for it and it was, it was loud and it definitely enhanced the, the, the overall experience. And when I interned with the blazers um, that second season in 08, 09, uh, I learned it was going away and I was like, why? And my boss was like, they just don't have anybody that can manage that. Like it, it takes a lot of effort. And I was like, I really wish they would have invested in that because, you know, we already have a fantastic home court advantage, but if you can, you know, really add, take, take what they have and add a collegiate environment mm-hmm. into that, like, I think that's what makes it uh, super special. And so I think what, what you guys are doing is, is awesome. I know they're, I don't know if they're still there, but there was a group in 314, right, where the, the this is Rip City sign. Mm-hmm. Like they would start banging on the walls and getting chance started. Um, and, and that just this adds to the the, the ambiance, just that you can feel it. And I know the players can feel like if I can feel it as a fan, you know, the players down there can feel like this gives them that extra juice 
whether you're coming off of a six game road trip or you're in the middle of December playing, you know, the, the Charlotte Hornets and they're coming in with a, you know, sub 500 record, you know, that's going to get you going like to, to beat this team that you're supposed to be beat beating. Um, and so that, that's, that's just fantastic that, that you guys are, are putting that together. How many people are in your group? I think, I think we're up to like eight or nine tickets all together in a couple rows. Um, and you know, I was, anytime you get that many people together and we don't know each other, but we were super cooperative and collaborative when it came to figuring out which section we were going to be in and that, you know, that everything could have fallen apart right then. Right. <laughs> and everybody was like, great. And we were like, well, what about this? What about this? And how about this? And everybody, you know, had different ideas, but like, it just, it just kind of messed together. And, and like I said, like so much of it, I think for, for me anyway, is just about like the friendships we make along the way. <laughs> I know that sounds corny and, you know, it's, you know, a, a lot of the enjoyment of basketball is like digging into the stats and uh, trade talk and, you know, figuring out how things can work with the salary cap. And, and that's all really fun, too. But for me, the things that I always remember are the moments that I share with people over mm -hmm. the Blazers, whether it's in the arena or watching a game together. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to just having some shared experiences with some folks. So are you going to be a Rowdy fan? Because I remember going to a, like a San Antonio Spurs game with you. And you and I, I think, are both naturally quiet people. And I, I think we just had like a nice conversation about like whatever the topic w was. But like I couldn't imagine you being like Dustin in playoff time. Because that man turns into an absolute rage monster in playoff scenarios. Like... I remember him vividly yelling at Jamal Murray, you ain't built for this, Jamal, which is a very quotable thing that I say a lot when I stream, like, you ain't built for this. So I, I, I think this is a fantastic idea of what you're doing, but I would really love to see you get hyped. I don't I, I, I don't think I'm going to get hyped. It's just not my nature. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just not like I, you know, when and you guys are just going to be like, of course, like when it comes to cheering, I'm really loud when I'm like cheering somebody on. But when it comes to like trash talking and complaining and, you know, because I just feel so bad because like what if I said something and something happened like, you know, I like I don't want to put bad vibes out into the universe, even when it's about other players, most other players. So I just yeah, I usually just I'm very strict about like if we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the game. Like I'm there for the Blazers. I'm there to watch the Blazers. We're going to have a conversation. We're not talking about like what happened at work yesterday. We're like talking about, you know, did you see the latest Instagram picture of Justice Winslow's baby? Who's like the cutest little baby ever. Um, you know, that's as far away from game talk as I'll go. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm not a big stand. And I'm always also when I go to games, I'm super conscientious about like, like, I don't want to stand up in front of somebody because then they can't see because when people stand up in front of me, I can't see. And like, so I'm always like hyper vigilant about that kind of thing. So yeah, we'll see how I, I am in a sea of rowdy people. <laughs> and I don't think they're all going to be rowdy. I think we all have different styles and it'll be fine. Yeah. The, the difference between Dustin regular season versus playoffs is Jekyll and Hyde. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely I, like the first time we went to a game, we had our friend Stu 
with us and he, he was just like dustin's a monster i'm like i know it's crazy <laughs> to be fair that was our western conference finals run and i had never been in the building for a team that was that talented i'd always been either a little guy or i was back in albany you know watching from 70 miles away so just just putting that one out there <laughs> the stake so- you know as as, as de la soul says you know the stakes were high Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. first hip-hop reference of the show wasn't me there that's 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 a definite stamp on their bingo card i so can't multitask we... that much to think up a hip-hop reference so you can just cross that off any <laughs> list of possibilities coming from me so as the the calendar flips over to september we're a month away from preseason basketball and i don't know about you uh but both both of you um but last year, I kind of just like knew from the jump the season wasn't going to go according to plan. Even at the time, not believing as much in the coaching staff, I didn't think that just replacing the coach and not making any major changes to the roster, I didn't see that as a formula for success. So I just, I, I maybe I didn't envision it going as poorly as it did. But the team played poorly even when Dame was healthy, and then when he kind of hung it up for the surgery, we all knew the direction that they were going there. This time around, I felt like they had a pretty solid offseason. I think they are much more improved. I do think they will be a good team. But now I'm looking at the rest of the conference and seeing Denver's getting two of their, you know, top dogs back in Murray and Porter Jr. You've got Kawhi coming back for the Clippers. You have the Lakers who are always deadly with, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron, defending champion Warriors. Phoenix is going to be just as hungry. And then you've got these, you know, young up-and-coming teams like, Dallas, Memphis, and Minnesota, like the the West is just loaded. And even though I feel like the Blazers are better, I don't know if there's a scenario where they're not in the plan. Like to to get a top six seed would feel like, holy shit, that's worthy of celebration right there. So where are both of you feeling going into the season? Because I think they're a better team. I think they're a more balanced team. And I do think if the cards fall right, they may, you know, fight for fifth or sixth, but the West just feels like just and I'm just a bloodbath. I think you should go first, Sage. I mean, last year, Dustin and I did two podcasts a week for about six months. So I've taken a nice vacation from basketball, which is, I know, very shocking. So I haven't, I haven't really thought about the Blazers other than they're going to be improved. But it's just, it, it's kind of nice to just, refresh from thinking about spacing and you know attacking the closeout and stuff like that just to like i'm an organizer for the medford multicultural fair and that rightly is my uh main focus in uh for the next month so i haven't really you know zeroed in on where i think the blazers are going to end up but i would say probably if it's a ceiling performance sixth and they're going to probably be in the play-in somewhere in, in the most likely scenario So here's how I'm approaching this season. Last season, once they started to tank, was like a revelation to me. It was like I was able to just let go. Like I didn't care anymore. And it turns out not caring, a lot less painful oh, than yeah. caring. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Um, with what you were talking about, Dustin, about how all there's so many good teams in the West – 
there's always a million good teams in the West. And the one year that there's not a million good teams in a year in the West, that's going to be year that the Blazers are also not a good team in the West. That's just like how it happens. And you know how they say like comparison is the thief of joy. Like if all we do is sit around and compare ourselves to all the other teams, of course we're going to find ourselves, you know, I don't not I'm not not, not of course we're going to find ourselves lacking, but we're going to get stuck in constantly trying to only find joy and being better than others. And for me, what I'm really excited about this season, and I've said this like nine bazillion times, so I apologize to everybody who's sick of hearing this. The thing I like about basketball are dunks, assists, and watching young guys play. The last 10 years, how many dunks, how many assists, how many young guys have gotten to play? I'm excited because I think maybe... I'm not saying that they're going to go from 30th in dunks to 10th in dunks, but you know, maybe they'll move up to like 23rd. And for me, the way I'm going to judge this season and what I'm looking for this season is how many times a game do I go? Oh, because like I've been watching the same thing for so long. And last year when it was just chaos, it was like, I don't care. And it was like, well, this is kind of fun because you never know what's going to happen. And so like, I'm looking forward to this season because I'm hoping, anticipating that it's going to look different because of some of the changes that they've made, because maybe the coach is a little bit more established and has a you know better plan with the players that he's got available to him. I'm excited because I'm anticipating it's just going to look different. And as many times as a day, a game as I go, Oh, I haven't seen that before. That's going to be a win for me. <laughs> that's what I'm counting as wins. And then I'm going to worry about like the wins and the losses and how they do later on. You know, I'll see where, see where the chips fall. An extremely healthy way of looking at, uh, a uh, basketball season because once it gets to basketball season and I have to actually be engaged, oh, I'm going to be really caring about those wins, losses, points, scored, usage rate, all that stuff. Right now, I'm 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 agreeing with you wholeheartedly. Like I can pretend that the the production doesn't matter to me at all, though. But you know, once once I put on the uniform as somebody who's trying to analyze these basketball games. I don't care about no dumbs. I'm try- trying to get these doves. <laughs> so, Tara, give me then your top three Blazers. Not favorite in terms of watchability. That The Tara Biggs glasses, your watch, who are the top three that, that fit the bill? You mean coming up this year or just all time? Uh, both. Let's do all time and then let's do this year. Jerome Kersey. Absolutely. Absolutely loved watching Jerome Kersey play Clyde Drexler. Um... <laughs> I would say Amino just because of the chaos that he creates. Because like I said, I like what's unexpected. Um, I mean, obviously Damian Lillard, but like when it comes to just like sort of interest, like he's phenomenal in what he does and, the you know, the way he like pulls off clutch and everything. But he does it so like perfectly and precisely that it's not as fun to watch sometimes as someone who's just like pure chaos. Um and I, I love watching Nurk, even though I know sometimes it's like pulling hair out. I love watching the when he does little things. Like when he when he does that thing where he grabs the ball and he like puts it on the ground before he comes back up. It's just like, why do you do that? But like he did that today during the Eurobasket game. And I was like, oh, I miss that. I'm like when Nurk does that, it's because it's like he's adding a little flair. So I like the guys who like added a little flair. So I think 
Um, so I guess all time, I think I said Kersey, um, Drexler, and Lillard, and current. I love watching Nurk play because you just, especially when he's like, do you know? When he's engaged, uh, is awesome. Yeah, when he's engaged, and um, oh, excuse me. Um, gosh, I don't know who else in the modern era. I mean. I mean, I'd say Greg Brown because he dunks, but like, it's so rare. And even, you know, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll say Greg Brown. One of my biggest questions for this season that's coming up is, are we going to, is Greg Brown going to play? Like, are, is Greg Brown really going to, going to be an NBA player in the next few years? Um, I don't if, know. If, uh, my opinion is if Greg Brown's playing, Dustin and I are scouting college basketball pretty damn heavily. <laughs> or or it's blowout season. One, one way or the other, it's a blowout. Yeah. I, just, I, I don't like that my whole positivity train went down the hill when, when yeah, I was doing weird. You were on that train suck. for a whole uh, 30 seconds, bud, and it was... Uh... Well, as much as I love him, I just, you know, realistically, I, I don't really, you know, see... I don't... Maybe he will make huge strides. I don't know. Because, like, the other thing is, last season when I was watching other teams who had rookies who were playing, like, in the playoffs, I was like, why can't we have a rookie <laughs> who's doing stuff like that? It doesn't have to be a top pick, you know? So, I like, I, I guess I love watching the young guys play. Love... I love watching Nas Little play because I love how he watches the rim. The guy always has his eye on the basket and on the rim and watching him go up for rebounds. I love athletic rebounds. I think there needs to be an athletic rebounding competition at the um, all-star break. I love athletic rebounds and there's just nothing to me like a well-timed, like game-saving, playmaking athletic rebound where somebody comes over the top and, and Nas like has his eyes like laser on the rim. So I love watching Nas play super excited to go to watch him again this year. I keep thinking that Tari Eason would be her favorite player if he was. On yeah. The uh, yeah. That, that was the pick right there. If, if they would have been <laughs> yeah. able to get back into that first round. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely Taylor made him Taylor made for Tara. Oh yeah. If you, but if you ever, Walker, like, Oh, he's fantastic. But the way you're talking about chaos and that's athleticism, Tari. that's Tari, baby. <laughs> yeah, J Jabari is like he safe. he knows you what know to what do. you're gonna get from him. Yeah. yeah, like he's productive, he's safe. You, you just like you can package that up 82 games, and it's gonna taste the same. You know, Tari may be like, oh, this is the best meal I've ever had, and oh, I can only have one bite. Like it's the. Uh... <laughs> but I love Tari too, Tara. So it's all good. He was very high on my list of on my mock. Well. The thing about Jabari is that, like, even I, and, like, I don't have, I have, I do not have, obviously, a scouting eye. Like, I can't look at somebody and, like, break down their game and say whether or not they're going to be, like, a success in the NBA or whatever. But after watching him for just a couple of minutes, I was like, oh, Jabari Walker, like, knows what he's doing. Like, he yeah, looks like. Yeah, he's definitely a high IQ guy. He's he's a he's a better player than most of the players on the field right now like he's mm -hmm. already a better player than that and and even though you know he's all reliable which would be great if he's all reliable that's still surprising in a rookie oh absolutely so, so i find that fun even if it like you know goes against what i'm saying i like chaos anytime you throw a rookie in there who does good things i think that's a different kind of fun chaos where everyone's like wait who's this what are we supposed to do with him I mean, I, I remember thinking that Jabari was a first-round guy 
and then to see him fall so much, it's like we got the value of the draft with Jabari Walker with pick like 56 out of 60 or 58. So like to see to see the skill level that he shows and of course he has issues. That's why he was the 56th pick. Like, but he's so smart that he can make up for the hitch in his game and the hitch in his shot. So I I, I really like Jabari Walker would be one of my guys that uh, would be my top three guys that I'm excited for. And then of course, Shaden Sharp, because the sky's the limit with him. And it's such a, it was such a bummer to see him get hurt, but I still got faith in the kid. What do you, what gives you optimism? But what for both of you, what gives you optimism going into the season maybe what are you looking forward to i know you already talked about watching watching Nurkic. is there anything in particular you want to see him that you're excited to see him expand upon what like you wake up in the morning and you're like you're counting down the days to the season what are a few things that you're just like yeah i am so stoked to see this sadly i do wake up in the morning and do that (laughs) i do wake up in the morning and go i can't wait to watch a healthy damian lillard play Mm -hmm. i can't wait to like watch everybody nationally go oh yeah we completely forgot about him (laughs) i mean uh, that gives me a lot of optimism um also i think the experience last year i'm gonna talk about nurkic again um i uh, it's been such a roller coaster me and my fandom of yusuf nurkic that i've just like (laughs) yeah I've just gone completely out. I've just like, I give up. I'm a Yusuf Nurkic fan. I like opened my drawer full of blazer gear and realized that like half of my shirts are all Nurkic shirts. And I'm like, there's a reason. I clearly (laughs) really like this guy. I'm wearing one right now. So, um, but I think this one of like, I think the fact that he stayed engaged even after being shut down was a really good sign. And I feel like he's just really come into himself over the last couple of years, like kind of starting with COVID and sort of carving out his own like non-Blazer life, like doing things in Bosnia, getting involved in, um, you know, helping hospitals and um, uh, and women in Bosnia with healthcare things. Like, like kind of, he's really come into his own outside of the team and I think that makes him comfortable when he's in the team because watching him interacting with those young guys last year and staying engaged even if he wasn't playing I I prefer to see that as a good sign (laughs) I I take that as a good sign and I'm I'm really anxious to see how he's gonna play this coming season because you know a lot of people are saying you know Portland overpaid him um or they're like that's an old school center they don't need it or he's not going to be able to play more than you know 30 minutes a game there's you know they're gonna he's not going to close games i'm just i'm just anxious to see if that seeds anything in him that takes him to another level i've been going on what are you guys looking forward to well i feel like that you and i fell in love with yusuf nurkish at the same time really because I remember saying on this podcast, like I'm seeing him do all the things that NBA fans crave for their bigs, like being a playmaking hub, making smart decisions, playing good defense. And we had it. We have it here with Yusuf Nurkic. I know that it's not the way that everybody wants. And I truly don't think that the defense last year was optimized for him, but he does everything that we ask of a high leverage center. And He's a top 10 center and he's earning 
the 10th ranked center's money. So I don't, I don't feel like it's a very overpay. And sometimes he's going to get played off the floor because of his size. But if he's engaged and is playing as well as I know he can, he's going to punish that small power forward playing center just as much as he, they're going to punish him for being a slow, slower footed guy. So watching him play so well in the, uh, the lost season and him still being engaged and showing all of the skill set that he has. I was like, I, I, there was my, my love for him was kind of like yours where I was like, you know, now it's like Yusuf Nurkic can help a playoff team. He was helping a bad team win games, but he can help a playoff team win games by his skill set defensively and offensively. He just has to not throw God awful passes in small, small windows. And I think a lot of people will be happy with him. But that, that's a decision making thing. So he just has to be careful with that. But if he stays healthy, he's going to help us win a lot of games. And he will do that. He will throw oh, those yeah, he's dumb a high passes. Guy. Yeah. But like, I've just accepted that. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and like, I would rather have him play like him. Yeah. If he exactly. tried to not do that, he's not playing like him and he's think overthinking on the court. So, of course, I would love it if he stopped. But I'm not going to tell Yusuf Nurkic not to be Yusuf Nurkic. Exactly. You totally hit hit the nail right on the head there. Yeah. You, do, you don't want him to not be himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as he's grown, you know, he's like 28 now. When he came here, he was coming from a situation that he was not happy with. And, like, he needed to, like... He needed to mature. prove himself. He needed yeah. to prove himself and mature. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really, you know, shown that he's done that. And I'm mm-hmm. just... I'm looking forward to it. And half of my clothing budget is invested in him. So (laughs) what I want to see out of Nurkic this year is I want to see some bully ball. Like he has a big frame. He's nimble for his size. I don't want to see him out in that three point line, but that's not his game. I know the broadcast crew a couple years ago really hyped it up. No, I don't want to see that big man. Big man shooting threes is fine. Rashid, Cliff Robinson, do your thing. Nurk, I want to see get the ball in the paint and go to work. And a lot of that is going to fall on Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons as the primary ball handlers to get him engaged early and often, because we all know Nurk's game is predicated on emotion. And when he feels valued, he's going to give you maximum effort. That needs to be the game plan. Every game for 82 games is get Nurk the ball, get him going early because he is going to be your X factor. He's the, he's the swing factor between maybe making the play in and securing your playoff spot. Yeah, safely being in the playoffs. And when he was at his best, that first season from Denver, he was getting the ball back to the basket and punishing centers in the post. I I know, I get analytics guys are probably saying, no, that's not what you want. I don't care. Some things you just have to do and play to a player's strength. There's nothing wrong with every so often dumping it into him. If he's got one-on-one matchup, let him go to work. Let him get the other big man in foul trouble. And if they double, surround him, with, surround him with some shooters. You know, hey, something every, we don't have. But yeah, I, not I, everything I, has to be a high pick and roll with Damian Lillard. Like, we can do some other things with Nurkic. I like that he's a willing passer, but I think maybe you I think maybe you minimize those opportunities so you don't see so many high leverage passes or high risk passes. Like, maybe let him work up to that throughout the game. But his his bread and butter, get him the ball. Like he can do work in in the paint. Like 
He was going up against Gobert and Eurobasket. Like, I want to see him do that in Portland when Minnesota comes to town. Don't switch up the game plan just because this says NBA and not Eurobasket. No, it's the same two players going at it, like play to his strengths. And, and I think, I don't know whether it was a coaching or a, a, an ownership or a general manager perspective or, or Nurk, but they, they slowly got away from that as his career progressed in Portland. I want to see him get back there. Um, he, he looks like he's in great shape, like go to work in, in the post. There's, there's so few bigs in today's NBA that can actually, you know, command respect when they get the ball down there. And more times than not, there's not a defender down there that's going to stop them. So you have something that can be a, a game changer. I, I think Portland, it would behoove themselves to, to utilize that to their advantage. So I, I have a question for Tara, since she is the Euro basketball expert. <laughs> How has Yusuf Nurkic looked in those in those games? Since I, I have not watched a second. Um, I I only watched today's game. That's still a lot more than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Five thirty this morning, and he got a slow start. I think he ended up with uh, ten points in the first half, and he sat a lot of it, like. He probably only played half the game. He didn't play a lot of the game. He looked gassed the first like set. <laughs> um, but as the game progressed and the whole team started like knowing where each other was, it looked it looks like the team had like they didn't get to practice like they they didn't get the prep that they thought that they were going to get. And so they looked really like they were just trying to figure out what everybody was doing. Um, in the first half of that game and man, Euro basket is, it is crowded. Luka Doncic was right about like how crowded yeah, it is. Like, sucks. There were just like people hanging off of him. Um, so there were, there were definitely a couple of times where a small fast person just blew by him. Um, but then there was one, you know, segment where he had two block shots right in a row. Um, so I think if, if if he's balanced in in a defense that can you know make sure that he's not stuck out on the you know on the what we did guard. last year what we did last <laughs> <Yeah>. year <laughs> um, you know he hung around the basket a lot so um, was he around the basket offensively yeah. too oh, okay because yeah. when I think of Yusuf Nurkic last year he was at the top of the key kind of making things happen for the offense and it was he neglected the post a lot last year when he was at his at his peak. So I, no, I was he very clearly curious. like they, they gave him the ball on the posts and he went to work and he did. He, did he, he finish did the thing? Did he finish? Well, off of those post moves. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know, that's another, I just accepted last year. He's just going to flip it in. Yeah. Just, he, he, just he, he loves it. So I, <laughs> and he got a lot, he got some good offensive rebounds too. I think that, I mean, who's going to stop him from getting that he is built like a, uh, absolute bear. So, Dustin, you talked about uh, usage rates or, you know, him having the ball in his hands. But I, my nerdy ass thinks of it as usage rates. Dame's obviously going to be number one and Ant's going to be number two in who touches the ball the most. Where would you want Yusuf Nurkic to be out of all the players on the team in terms of the responsibility with the basketball in their hand? Well, you remember when we were before he got hurt against Brooklyn, that Western Conference finals year, we discussed quite a bit, but Yusuf may not have been Portland's best player, but he was Portland's most valuable player. Yeah, he, like, he was getting the ball more than CJ McCollum. 
the way he was playing, he was better than CJ that year. I mean, just bottom line, the way he was able to operate and he was taking calculated risks, but he was engaged defensively. He was our anchor. I think if Portland is to be successful, he's got to be two. And I think you need to almost, you need to utilize Ant not like you utilize CJ. You can't just let it be, oh, Dame, it's your turn. Ant, okay, no, it's my turn. And, and do that. Like Ant really has to show that he can work off of the ball. And then when Dame comes out of the game, then he can really be that ball dominant guard. But if, if they're going to try to make Dame and Ant, Dame and CJ 2.0, just with a little bit you know, more youth, that that's not going to work. So I think that there needs to be a focus on getting these other players involved like a Jeremy Grant, like a Yusuf Nurkic and getting, you know, you have to get others involved. You know, Damon Ant can score the basketball whenever they want to, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a lot harder to win a game down the stretch when you've got five, six, seven other guys on, on the court who are ice cold and don't have really any rhythm. So I would like to see if, if you're, you're committing to Yusuf Nurkic, you sign him to a contract extension. He's been in Portland for six years now, almost. Use him. And if he proves that he's worth the usage, continue to feed him. Now, obviously, if it doesn't work, you have to pivot. But at least, you know, like when Portland was going right, Yusuf was going right. I don't think that's a coincidence. And I I really feel like if if they if they follow that path, they, there will be some success and Portland will surprise some teams. Adversely, if they try to do the the Dame Ant Dame CJ 2.0, that they may miss the playoffs. So it, it's it's that that type of margin is where I feel the Blazers are at this year. They they have roster talent. It's now how do they utilize that roster talent? Because that's what separates you know good from great teams is how they're able to work together and who knows when and where they're going to get the ball. I think Yusuf's a better passer than Anthony right now. He has a much what better he has much better vision, much better. Actually passing the ball. I remember now that we're actually talking about the Blazers. I'm remembering all of the times where I'm like, Ant really isn't a good passer. So me saying that, like, no, Yusuf is the second best passer on the team and could possibly be the best. Like, so I I guess in terms of responsibility, I would want Yusuf to make the pass because he's going to actually see the person. Whereas Ant, I remember this one game against the Lakers specifically, and it was with Norman Powell was on the team still. Norman was in the corner, and Russ was basically at the hoop. And I could drive my car between them easily, or two car lanes, and he didn't pass it, and he took an awful shot. And I'm like, he's supposed to be CJ. CJ would have saw that easy. So I guess more responsibility for the big man. But uh, Tara, how do you feel about the responsibility with the ball in their hands? Who do you think, besides Damian, should uh, han- have that handle the weight? Well, we also haven't even talked about Josh Hart, um, and I and I he's a real X factor for me in terms of like we got just like a little glimpse, um, and it was really fun. It was a really fun glimpse. I remember liking watching him um, on his other teams, on you know, on the Lakers and on the Pelicans. And um, so I don't want to leave him out of the discussion. I think one of the good things about last season was that Anthony and Nurk developed some good chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so I think that those two have, um, you know, have good potential together. So like, it it doesn't have to be Nurk and Dame. I think it could be Nurk and Anthony and, you know, maybe it could be Nurk and, and Josh Hart. The thing about Nurk is that, you know, give him a place where he can add a little flair, 
whether that's in passing or whether that's in, you know, in how he scores. I remember that, that uh, when I was on the Blazers Edge, when I used to do the Blazers Edge podcast with Dan, I used to love it when Damian would do those like bounce passes between two defenders to mm-hmm. Yusuf Nurkic. And that used to drive Dan crazy because he's like, he's seven feet tall. Put it up in the air. What are you doing putting it on the ground? And I noticed in Eurobasket, he was getting it up high a lot. And I think Anthony actually gives it to him up high. So, oh, yeah. Um, Dame's allergic to throwing lob passes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting to to see who ends up having the ball more because they're very different. And, uh, you know, like you can't just slot one one in for the other. So my my answer to your question is, I don't know. You know <laughs> we, you've talked a lot about flair and it's kind of got me thinking about Purdue basketball last year. And the master of the unnecessary pass, fancy pass, and Jaden Ivy. I think you would really enjoy the Detroit Pistons this year with the unnecessary passes that that man does on a fast break. Okay, here's a flare <laughs> I want to bring up. Um, and Dustin, you'll like this because it reminded me of um, Justin Herbert. Um, when that that viral Nurk dunk from Eurobasket where he like destroyed, destroyed that man from the French team. <laughs> the thing that led up to it was a, a pass fake that got the guy off balance. And then he drove to, and I'm like, can we just watch that pass fake over and over and over? <laughs> I want, I want Nurk doing that several times a game. <laughs> no, I don't. But having watched Justin Herbert, who I still, he still does it in the NFL, and I still fall for it every single time. If Nurk's going to add a pass fake <laughs> to his arsenal, how fun is that? And like I'm saying, I just want to have watched something interesting this year. I just want it to be fun. I just want it to be different. Bring on the Nurk pass fakes. No, we are not talking about that play enough. And like Mike Richmond was talking about it on uh on locked on blazers and and he, the way that he said it is that um it was something like i'm paraphrasing something like nurk was gonna go for the free but then decided not to and you know got his guy and then the guy who was guarding him was like oh what am i doing guarding this guy i need to go guard somebody else and then nurk went to the thing i watched that thing over and over and over again and i saw that guy fall for that pass fake every time maybe it's my my duck football glasses that I had on, but I'm all, bring it on. Bring on the pass fake Nurk. <laughs> I mean, you talked about wanting something different and something fun. Um, Are we talking Shaden? Well, I, I am really excited about Shaden Sharp, but I have nothing really more than what I've seen on our uh, future Friday. I think the two players that people aren't talking about enough, and I think they are also potential X factors because they give Portland a dimension that frankly, this franchise hasn't had in, in decades. Gary Payton, the second and Nasir little. Now in this year, we talked about earlier a little bit. Um, he just needs to stay healthy. There, there's always a couple of things that pop up just randomly that kind of knock him off of his momentum but when he's going right, he's hustling, he's cutting. Dame actually sees him and throws lobs to him. Uh, he's hitting threes. He's energizing the crowd. He is everything you want in a player coming off of the bench. And then Gary Payton, I absolutely love that signing. For the first time 
in so long, Portland has a defender on the perimeter, not, not, not in the paint, on the perimeter, they can lock someone down. So I'm going to be so intrigued as to how he's going to be used because he can be used. Golden State won a championship with two non-shooters, Draymond Green and Gary Payton II. I, I know that they're Golden State, but it, it's it's been proven. They can win with those two playing finals minutes in the fourth quarter. So when people say, oh, Gary Payton, he's another 6'4 guard, he, he's a forward. Like, he's not a guard. Like, Gary Payton plays bigger than his size. He's tough. He's long. He's athletic. Talk about dunks. He had some dunks early in the season with the Warriors that were just jaw-dropping. The, the reverses and the, the windmills. Like, I am looking forward to him and Nas coming off of the bench and just wrecking havoc defensively. Like, I want to see some defense turning into offense. Like, Portland has been dead last in fast break opportunities. Not even points, just opportunities, it seems like, for the past 20 years. Like, I want to see that team get out and run and gun. You have athletes, you have Ant, you have Shaden, you have you know, Nas and GP. Like, you can, Jeremy Grant can run for a big. Like, you got Greg Brown. You've got all of these athletes. Get them on the break and just let them loose. And it starts on the defensive end. And I think Gary Payton is going to have such a profound impact. But again, a, a large onus of the burden lies with the coaching staff and how they're able to utilize them because um, there's a world in where it doesn't work, but there's a world in where it's beautiful. So I, mean, I, you know. I feel like uh, Mittens is the Sam Mills of the NBA. You can't judge him on his size when the heart is so big. And shout out to the, or the current Hall of Famer, Sam Mills. Um, but I mean, when Gary Payton was at his best, he was hitting that open corner three. So he just has to keep up that momentum of hitting the wide open three. I mean, you don't, he doesn't deserve a closeout. So you're not going to, he's going to have a runway to shoot. So as long as he can keep up that rhythm of being able to shoot with just the, the most utmost amount of space, I think he will do just fine. Um, one guy that, during the summer league, Keon Johnson really reminded me of a Gary Payton that dribbles better because I think both of them are going to be excellent defenders and they do a lot of their work on the fringes of the offense. So I'm I'm not worried if Keon ha- gets to play. Like I'm I'm petrified if Gar- uh, Greg Brown plays actual rotation minutes, but if Keon Johnson's playing, I'm like all right, we're going to get the kids some minutes. I think that he can become Gary Payton the second if he is treated right. And maybe treating him right is playing in the G League, but I think that he deserves those minutes more so than uh, uh, a uh, Greg Brown or someone like that. Yeah, I'm super curious to see what happens with the coaching this year Uh, because we just we don't have enough to go off of. No, not enough evidence. Last season was just was just so strange. But some of the things that I've observed is that his because last year we gave out um, assistant coach of the year award um, Mm -hmm. for the what podcast and we gave it to Eddie Curry because, of course, she's amazing. But the whole staff really connected with the um, with the players and like there was a lot of turnover and there were a lot of guys who were used to having the same people around. And so they all had to get used to each other, but, but the new staff, I think really connected well. And so the way that the head coach um, kind of, you know, 
manages his staff who then are supporting and developing the players. Like, I'm really curious to see what that's going to look like. And, you know, I really hope we see some defense on the floor because, I mean, that's what the coach is known for, right? And they brought Mm. in the players. And I'm like, I got to study up on, like, what defense actually looks like because I'm not actually sure I know. (laughs) Like, I remember at a a summer league game, there was this point where Trendon – the other team had the ball and Trendon was in front of the basket and the player was attacking the basket and trying to put it in the basket. And he and Trendon did this dance all around the rim from one side of the rim to the other with Trendon being in the way so that the guy who was attacking couldn't put the ball in. And I was like, oh, is that what defending the rim looks like? <laughs> I own. I want to bet that that was Tari doing it. I really just want to bet that it was Tari doing it, attacking. I was like, oh, I mean, I haven't even seen. I'm like, I haven't even seen some of this stuff. It was just like drop back and put your you know hands up, and if you remember to close out. So I'm, I'm anxious to see if the the coaching. I I I expect that it might look odd at the beginning as they're trying to figure it out. But I'm hoping to see it all come together. I hope it, and I hope it looks odd because it's defensive and like I'm just not used to looking at that. <laughs> Did we add anybody uh, on the coaching staff this year, or is it the same cast of characters as last year? Same cast. What is? Um, we got a question that I want to get to Tara, but before we get to that, we've been very pretty positive. Give me your 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 scary. What is the one thing you can only pick one? What is the thing that scares you the most about this team heading into the season? Oh, I already have mine. Lack of spacing. We don't have enough shooters. That's been my issue this entire offseason is we don't have enough shooters on the the floor at at one time. Like when Dustin said the best way to optimize Yusuf is to put shooters around him. I think we have three shooters, and that's not nearly enough for an NBA season. So I I I think it's a philosophy thing between me and what I believe and what uh, the basketball operations people think I would rather have shooters than guys that know how to dribble the ball and can create for themselves when that isn't going to be an issue. When we have Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons handing, handling the ball most of the time. So I think the lack of spacing is going to be an issue and I will get to bitch about it on this podcast. So you think that whoever's going to be playing the three isn't a shooter because Jeremy Grant's a shooter. He, yeah. And Damon Ant are shooters. Yeah, so two non-shooters because I N- Nasir isn't, and then Yusuf isn't. Oh, you're talking about Yusuf. Yeah. Two. Okay. Yeah. Because who who do you think is a good shooter besides Damon Ant? I think Josh Hart is a good shooter. I think, I think Nas could be like there were there were times when Nas looked like a good shooter. There he was, was a 24 percent three point shooter last year. Okay, so there weren't that many times. I don't know. I thought <laughs> so we, we remember the good ones. I I, I'm, with, sure I'm with you, Tara. I remember the good ones. Like it's it's always the injuries with Nas that derail him. Like when he when he's going, he's he's hitting. I, I think what Sage is alluding to is maybe the, a consistent shooter. But I, I would put Josh Hart in that category. I think, I think he is, but he also airballs a lot too. I think he earned that. I think he earned a good. Okay, shooter. so we have we have three shooters that I won't argue with much. Okay, tell, tell me tell me any more. My boo, good, my, my boo, Shaden Sharp's going to just blow you out the water. Well, 
All right, so we have four shooters and a team no. of 15. They, they, they definitely need more spacing. I would Boom. agree with that. Sarah, what, what's your scary? My scary is that they come in with a lot of swagger and excitement, and it doesn't look like they thought it was going to look like, and they can't figure out what to rally around, and it just peters out. But... You know, I think yours is more concrete, Sage. <laughs> yeah, I've bitched about it for this entire summer. I'm very confident in that opinion. <laughs> I'm about Tara's to tweet. Remi- Tara's <laughs> reminds me of like, I'll put together an outfit in my mind. And I go in the mirror, I'm like, well, this just did not pan out. And I was like, really like, and now I'm in scramble mode because it's like five minutes before I have to get out the door and I have to find something to, to put on. So um, if... If I had to pick one thing, it's going to be defense. Like that's been Portland's downfall since the 12 deep Blazers in, in 2000. Like they haven't really ever, the franchise just hasn't been known for its defense this, this, this millennium. And it, it's unfortunate. Um, I I like the pieces they've added in, in Gary Payton for sure. I think Josh Hart plays good defense at the two, but they're going to force him over to the three to make room for Anthony. Like, my biggest question mark is can Anthony play league average defense? Can Dame play league average defense? Can they maybe relinquish a little bit of the offensive duties and put more effort on that end of the floor? Can they communicate? I mean, so many times you watch you watch these good teams and you're like, that's what team defense is supposed to look like. They actually swung the ball three times and they still recovered. Like you, I can't remember the last time I've seen that from a, a trailblazer squad. So, you know, until they get that end of the floor, at least middle of the road, you know, 15th, then, you know, I think then we can start talking about Portland turning the corner and all of these young players coming into their own led by Dame. Like I have no doubts. Dame's going to come out gangbusters. I, he's going to be fantastic this year. Defensively, like we've seen a lot of small backcourt without much help in the front court. Like I think Jeremy Grant's going to be a good defender, just like I thought Robert Covington was a good defender, but asking them to just fix all of your problems, then you're, it's, it's, that's just not going to work. And it, it didn't work with Rocco. And I hope that's not what's going to happen with, with Jeremy. So I, I think the coaching staff, again, I think a lot rides on the coaching staff. I think they have to not play to the contract. I don't, they, they can't play favorites. If, if it's not working, bring it, bring Ant off the bench, start Josh at the two, go big, bring, bring Nas in. I mean, play, play defense. Your, your defense will get you offensive opportunities. You have a good enough offensive player in Damian Lillard to carry you through that regular season. Defense is going to be what I think ultimately determines where we look back at the season and say, that was a really successful, successful season, or, you know, they kind of fell short of, of the mark. So uh, defense is my, my scary, I think there's potential to do it, but you know, defense is a will and hopefully it rubs off because Gary Payton, the second has that mentality and you know he's got, he's got the hardware to prove it. So as long as they're willing to put in the work, um, I, I think, you know, they really have a great opportunity in front of them this season, but I think it all starts on that end of the floor. Is, is there a chance that Shaden Sharp is our second best perimeter defender? on the team this year do you count josh hart as a perimeter defender i do no i think josh hart's just he's he's a good bet like he's he's smart but you could say third i honestly i feel like josh hart has the norman powell style of defense where it's i won't fuck up i won't fuck up i won't fuck up 
I think Shane Sharp can get in that ass and make things happen. So if he was given the chance, I think there's a way where Shaden is our second best perimeter defender. I mean, like when we watched EYBL and all of the scouting reports, they said Shaden was a willing defender. And with that athleticism, man, he could be a menace if given the chance, of course. Yeah, you're really excited about Shaden. Yeah, uh, I'm. I think he's a nuclear talent that could be a game changer if given the chance. I think that he needs to get uh, time with the ball. I, I my biggest uh, negative on him was that he has awful dribble moves. The way you get better at that is dribbling the basketball in a game. So I hope that he every game when he plays, he gets a chance to play with the ball. Because if given that chance and all of those other talents blossom, he's the best player on the team and probably one of the – he's tied with Anthony Edwards for the best player in the conference. Not named Jokic. Yeah, I, I just I, – I loved the swing for the fences mentality. You're Portland, Oregon. You're a small market. Uh, you haven't had that transcendent superstar since Dame. We all know Dame's 32 years old. Don't know how much longer that's going to last. So take your swing – you're not in the lottery very often. And I think at that spot in the draft, I thought it was really a, a nice bet to just like, we need a superstar. Like the team's not ready to hit a single or hit a double. Like you got to go for the fences and, and hope for the best. You have to hope you get the wing version of, of a Paul George t- type of two-way talent that you can build around. Like, I love that he, I love that he's able to potentially contribute this year, but also still fits in with Nasir's timeline, with Anthony's timeline. So it's not just like everything is completely separated, that there is a way to kind of mesh this all together. Kind of like how the Spurs did it when they had David Robinson and, you know, Tim Duncan, but they brought in Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi slowly started to put his mold on, you know, his his thumbprint on, on the team. And then it slowly became his team. And so, um, I think that was really smart, and I, I, I like the risk there just because, you know, we've been talking about shaking it up all podcast long. I thought that was one of the, the best shakeups to to do right there. And, you know, a, a, a guard with size is something, you know, we haven't seen really since, you know, Clyde and, and Brandon. Um, and so I'm really excited to see that potentially develop. I, I think Shaden is the uh, rare mix of uh, versatility mixed with switchability and God-given athleticism. Like, if you think Anthony Edwards and Jalen Green are the future of the shooting guard position, Shaden Sharp's right in there with those two, with just amazing athleticism, but really skillful. Um, if if you look at Ant, Ant's ascension, Anthony Edwards, not uh, Ant Simons, I think that Shaden, if given the right opportunities, is just going to be like that and blossom to an all-star in year and- three. What you say about giving the right opportunities is so it all hinges hits oh yes yeah, hinges absolutely. on that. And I'm just so used to the old development yeah, timeline that I have no hope that that's gonna happen. And I think I figured out what my biggest like worry is is that it's gonna be boring. I'm like to me that would just be like the worst is if like we they roll it back and it's like, oh, this is like what it always looked like and it's still not doing anything so yeah that's my biggest fear and now you guys have me thinking a lot about Shaden. i've sort of like i was excited too about the swing for the fences but i was just thinking about 
the old timeline. Like we're not even going to see him, you know, for three years. So, um, yeah, let's hope it's not boring. Well, any, any second that Shaden Sharp's on the court, it's not going to be boring. He does everything that you want in a player with the, with the dunks, with the athleticism, with the defense. I don't think he's there with a passing just yet or athletic rebounding. Oh, oh yeah, he—he, he, he, I oh, think yeah. he's the most athletic player on the team. So, so Terry, you like dunks and and you know assists and and defense. Your question was why hasn't anybody signed Ben McLemore yet? How did Benny Mac make his way into your heart this past season? When open three point shooting when he's a, just a three point shooter. Like how how did he break I the mold? Have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Benny Mac can dunk though. We've seen it. I think if it given was... the the airspace well he is a beautiful he does have a beautiful shot Mm -hmm. like i think he has a gorgeous a gorgeous shot um and uh i think a lot of it was his attitude he just showed up every night when the whole thing was just burning to the ground all around him and he just showed up every night and played and that just wormed its way into my heart like this guy's doing it he's showing up for and you know he's got a smile on his face he's not allowing he's he was the only one who knew he was the only nba player like he's the only adult (laughs) yeah he was the only veteran nba player at the time and like and he knew it and he didn't complain he didn't get bitter he didn't get crabby he just showed up and shot that beautiful shot and he didn't even start I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. He came off the bench in this situation. It was just like, oh, my God. Dustin, you did. You were doing evaluations in 2013. What did you think Benny Mac was going to be? Hmm. Maybe not to the extent of what Bradley Beal is Damn now. Damn it, that was what, exactly what I was about to say, too. But, I, you know, I thought he was going to be just guns blazing like gonna get you 25 a night just pure maybe a, a cross between like maybe like a jamal crawford and a bradley beal like maybe not quite the playmaking of beal but a better score consistently than than crawford and i just thought he was gonna you know he just looked the part at at kansas, kansas and just, yeah you know going to sacramento can can crush a lot of uh players uh hopes and, and then going back <laughs> and then going back because yeah. yeah i was I, Shit, Hornets at that time were a shitty team. So I, I I looked at him and I was like, damn, he looks awesome. And then I learned that he had some, he had like a, he had some trust issues from past events in his life. And then I saw him get drafted to sack and I'm like, oh man, what could have been with Benny Mack? I, I I am all about that. Get him on the team and let him just space the floor, please. It's not like he's going to cost us money. <laughs> no, he's going to get a veteran minimum and show up and be like a lovely play. Plus, his fashion was better than anybody at the time as well. Like he was the only one who put in like, well, Keon is actually a pretty good dresser. But um, and of course, now they have Jeremy. But um uh, ben McElmore held down that end of it as well. But yeah, he's a shooter. And I just, what I, I'm, 
I'm mostly upset. I don't understand why nobody else has picked him up. There's a lot of good players still on on the market. I mean, Carmelo is still available. I think Lamarcus is still available. Uh, Markeith Morris just signed. You know, he's a solid vet. So I, I think it's just the the sign of of a healthy league when you've got players who. I mean, I think you'll you'll see him get signed throughout the season. Um, he's going to be a, a a gunner for hire, and probably some team that needs that extra spacing for the playoffs is going to sign him for the rest of the year and he'll help a competitive team win games. Oh, oh God, that'd be, that'd be pretty sick. All right, Tara, let our listeners know where they can find you on online, where they can listen to your podcast and we will wrap this one up. Awesome. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It was really great to catch up. Oh, my gosh. As you can tell, I was just desperate for uh, basketball talk. Um, I do talk about basketball on my podcast, which is called We Have a Take or The What Podcast. And you can find The What Podcast on Twitter at We Have a Take. And you can also find me on Twitter at TCBBIGGS. Um, I got a new episode coming out in a few more days and probably going to take a little break until, um, you know, till, uh, just a couple weeks off, but yeah, uh, you can find it on any of the places that you get podcasts. So I would, um, want to thank you guys for having me on. It was really great to talk to you. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you to Sage for, for producing this. You know, we took a bit of a hiatus, but once the season starts to, to get closer, We'll have our, you know, conference predictions and season, you know, how how we see the, the season shaping out. And then before you know it, it'll be back to the the daily, the weekly grind. <laughs> Don't you dare fuck no. with my emotions saying daily. No. We'll be back to the, the <laughs> weekly grind. Uh, Sage, let our listeners know where they can find our podcast and then take us on home. So you can find us everywhere that you find your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast um google play um i would like to say if you are in the medford oregon area we i am an organizer for the medford multicultural fair on september 26th from 10 a.m to 4 p.m we will be doing an in-person fair for the first time in three years so if you are in the medford area we will be at pear blossom park so Join us for a uh, a day of multiculturalism and celebrating our differences and peace. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!